1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Top of the 8 o'clock hour here in our
2: nation's capital. You're now tuned in to Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement with Willingham. Taking it up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to Bart Winkler in CBS Sports Radio. Coming up in about... 15 minutes or so, the hearing on the program is going to get a lot better. JP Finley, co host to B. Mitchell Finley, weekdays 10 to 2, right here on the fan, is set to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the latest with the Washington Commanders coaching search. Plus, we'll ask what he thought about championship or what he thinks about championship Sunday coming up in the National Football League. Want to continue to hit the phones though 1 800 636 1067 is the number. If you've been listening to the fan all day long, Tremendous content, first of all. Eric Bickle this morning of the Sports Junkies, pretty adamant about how he would feel if Eric Bienemi, the really be got hired as the next head coach here in Washington. I believe the quote I saw on Twitter from Bickle is he would vomit, throw up, up Chuck, Earl, if Washington hired Eric Bienemy. Grant Paulson, one of the brightest football minds I know pretty much saying he would bang his head against the wall if Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator, ended up as the next head coach here in Washington. So based on all the reaction we've had here today, is there a head coach candidate that if Washington hired him, it'd make you upset? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. I guess I haven't technically answered the question by self. My answer is no. Obviously, if you listen to my opening monologue at the top of the show, it is ridiculous, to me at least, that anyone could be upset after what this team has been through the past 26 years. My only gripe, my only issue that I've had about the interview process is that it feels like the best of the best haven't been interviewed by Washington. And this process may be far from over, right? They may interview someone for the first time next week or later this week. Who knows? It's a fluid process. What did Josh Harris say? Thorough but rapid. That's my only issue with this coaching search is that it feels like the best candidates haven't really been interviewed. Mike Vrabel, former Tennessee Titans coach, he has yet to be interviewed. Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan, he has yet to be interviewed. Hell, we just saw Brian Callahan take the job in Tennessee. He's a guy that I would be fired up to work with if I was Adam Peters and company because of his ability to work with young quarterbacks. Dave Canales, Mr. QB career renaissance himself. It's crazy. I was singing the praises of Dave Canales during the regular season, but they said, shh, Linnell, what are you talking about? What he did the last two seasons with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield, respectively, gets enough of my respect and my attention uh, to, to get him an interview. And the one thing I'd say about Dave Canales is Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield are not young quarterbacks. So, technically, he hadn't shown the ability to develop a young guy. But I'll even say this about Dave Canales. We talk about Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield. Drew Locke looked damn good whenever he gets an opportunity to play. And I know if you ask Drew Locke and people there in Seattle, they talk about how impactful Dave Canales was. So we'll see. We'll see. I want to let you hear from John Kime as well. He joined B. Mitch and Finley earlier today uh, and had this to say about the Washington Commanders and their head coach process.
3: It's hard for me to say who the frontrunner is. I would say, like, so I'll compare it to the GM search. Adam Peters was always the frontrunner. Like, that was, and, you know, my understanding certainly was that he was far and away the number one guy, and it was just a matter of getting it done. Um, with the coaching search, I think it was viewed as a more equal situation as far as like multiple guys, I think, are oppressive on that list. I would say clearly Ben Johnson would be high on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think guys like Dan Quinn would be high on that list. And, and Raheem, I think, because some of what you have to look at, what are they looking for? <clears throat> and if leadership is a major, major emphasis on their part. Um, and I think when you talk to people like who played or worked, I mean, Ben Johnson, his offensive acumen is very high. It's a very, done, he's done a great job there. So we know that he can run an offense. Um, and you hear good things about him in other ways. Like the ones that I hear a lot about are Raheem and Dan Quinn. And I don't, like with Mike McDonald, you'd have to kind of put him high on a list just because, like, look what they've done. Um, you know, and I think he's an adaptable coach, and so I think you know, I think I put those guys probably, but I don't, I don't know that I, I, you know, I think it's when you have the number two pick, and if you're going to go quarterback, clearly you have to put an offensive guy pretty high on the list.
2: TSBN's John Kime, the most tenured member of the Washington Commanders' beat, given his two cents about what he's hearing on the Washington Commanders' head coach search process. One thing that he said there, and we played. This audio last week from his podcast. He's not. Let me, let me pull back the, the the curtain a little bit. John Kime is a traditional OG journalist. He's not going to say something. That he doesn't have conviction about. Right? you right. Because you want to be right in this industry. Especially with journalism more so. Uh, than radio. Right. We're like weathermen. We could be wrong all the damn time. Doesn't affect anything. A journalist though. You got to be on. You got to be on it. Right. So last week. I was texting back and forth with some different guys saying, like, how could I phrase this? How could I frame it without me putting words in Kim's mouth? Because Kaim never said who the finalists were, but he keeps saying, What I keep hearing is, what I keep hearing is. He ain't hearing stuff for no reason, ladies and gentlemen. And then that clip that we just played, what did he who did he say he keeps hearing? Uh I just had a complete brain fart. Dan Quinn. And Raheem Morris is who he continues to hear. Uptown Don saving the day. So those are the two names he continues to hear. He he mentioned Ben Johnson, but notice what he said about Ben. Sort of like what I've said. We know about his ability to design plays and, and scheme things up. That's not the most important quality, though, in this next head coach. Got to be able to lead guys. And he simply hasn't been asked to do that because when you're on the same coaching staff, well, they had Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn, Dan Campbell, a bunch of alphas. A bunch of alphas around him. He didn't have to be that guy. I'm not saying he can't be, but you won't know uh, until you know. Larry is in D.C. What's going on, Larry?
4: Larry! Yeah, my fault, man. Are no, you good? Fault, you're good. Man, What's going on? Not, not, you know what? I, I think everything is good, but I, I just don't. You know, I don't agree with anything with Dan Quinn. I, I just, <laughs> anything with Dan Quinn, man, I, I, I pass on it. But I think a, a good combination, like you said, I've been telling you all offseason, you get Eric the Enemy and bring in Raheem Morris as a defensive coordinator, co-associated co head coach, because it'll be elevation, because it'll be co, so he can move uh, unilaterally, and you don't have to get the conversation. And I think that, that mixture with those two guys and, and probably their relationship where they can bounce offense and defense off of each other and go to Peterson um, as a three- or four-man tandem and, you know, bring another couple, mm. couple guys they know. And for scout, I think that'll be a great great tandem. I,
3: I like
2: that, but the one thing that I would say about is it's unrealistic, I think, in this cycle because Raheem is so hot of a candidate, Larry. He ain't taking no defensive coordinator job. And I hear what you're saying about I don't, elevating I, him I, I, and making him the the assistant head coach so it's a, it's an elevation in title but i i think he's such a sought after coach right now that i think he's going to have a job before the cycle's over 100% i, I, I
4: honestly I, I, i'm willing to bet you a uh uh whatever you want on that one. Mm-hmm. you know some some small you know just you I know am- around around me and you but i don't drink too much but I around am- at the bar once you once when, when y'all had one of those and uh, out, or something, but I just don't see him getting. I know he is an extremely good coach, but I just don't see this time around yeah. him getting uh, getting getting that job with with the jobs that's available and with Bill Belichick being out there. Yeah. He, uh, you know, I, I just don't see him Harbaugh, I just don't see because now you're down to because the job in Tennessee got filled. Now you're down to what six jobs? I believe it's so well, five.
2: I think it might be five, five jobs job. now. Right, Atlanta, so, but, Washington, right, but, Chargers. Atlanta, Washington, Chargers. Yeah, that's a shame. I'm blanking my, my names up. Atlanta,
4: Atlanta Washington, Chargers. Uh, 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 um, um, uh, <laughs> Tennessee Seattle, is now filled. Seattle. Ten- Seattle. C- Seattle. And then right. there's one more. And there's one. Yeah, it's there's Seattle. One and...
2: more. I'm going and looking at the NFL teams list. It'll help me come to a, the conclusion easier. Ah, uh, la, 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 it Chicago? la Panthers.
4: Panthers. Panthers. Okay. Yeah. So those okay. are the, those are the All final
2: right. five remaining jobs. So I hear All what right. you're saying though, because of the 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 lack of jobs and then the candidates that he's going against. I, I hear you.
4: I hear you. I man. just don't see it this time around. I'm not saying that he won't eventually get back around. I think if he comes here, turns the defense around a couple years, even though he did it a little bit in 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 L.A. with having Aaron Donald. I think if he does it here. And he's almost at the same psyche and, and position that the enemy was in, right. and especially with their friends. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's almost, hey, look, we both want to prove a situation. I'm want to prove a situation where I'm the head coach now, but you want to prove a situation to get back to head coaching. And I believe in you, our friendship. That, that, and, and he knows that he's a, a head coach and waiting and has that ability. And they have a friendship. And he knows he knows defense. And he needs help on the other side of the ball. Right. I think if I'm Josh Harris, I hire the enemy to work with a young Taylor Williams, you know, Trey Howell, whatever, whatever, and, and, and you and you bring Raheem Morrison and, and shake Larry. that defense out.
2: That's interesting, Larry. I appreciate the call. The more realistic scenario with that, because I just think Raheem is too hot of a candidate. If they decide to go with Eric Bieniemy as head coach and you want to bring in a defensive coordinator, we talked about it, Wink Martindale. I think one of the callers said it. How spirited, competitive, those training camp practices would be with wink on the other side, throwing the kitchen sink at EB. And I'll be honest with you, Eric Bieni. If you listen to him talk during his media availabilities during the year, he was so complimentary of Wink Martindale and what he was able to scheme up defensively with the pressure packages, getting their offensive line in, in all, all out of sorts, so to speak. So, I do think, I do think the idea of EB being the head guy. A lot of y'all think it's a pipe dream. And I get that based on the way things ended offensively. I don't know, man. I don't think it's some some foregone conclusion uh, that EB doesn't get this job. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back as promised. One of the most prominent voices on the Washington Commanders set to join us, our own J.P. Finley. He is the co-host of Be and Finley weekdays 10-2 to 2, right here on The Fan. He'll join us next, and we'll ask him his thoughts on the latest with the Washington Commanders head coaching search.
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last.
3: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Still rocking and rolling here on this Monday night edition of Overtime.
2: It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. taking it up to 10 o'clock before we hand things over to CBS Sports Radio. In about 40 minutes or so, we'll switch gears to the NBA. Our pal Brandon Scoop B. Robinson NBA Insider set to join us live in studio. We get a little NBA trade deadline primer going for you. But right now, though, I'm going to go out to the BetQL guest hotline where we find J.P. Finley, the co-host of B. Mitch and Finley. Weekdays, 10 to 2, right here on The Fan. J.P., what's going on, my man? How are you? I am good. How are you guys? I'm good. A little bit sleepy. Long day for you, boy. But I was tapped into the show earlier, J.P. You guys had John Kime on. I thought it was you know, a fascinating interview One major takeaway I had from that is the quote that you put out on Twitter. There is no true frontrunner right now for this Washington Commanders head coaching job. As we continue to move throughout the week, obviously we know Mike McDonald uh, as well as Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson can't be interviewed again uh, until next Monday. With that being said, is it safe to say no decision will be made this week because they for damn sure want to get those guys back in?
6: Yeah, you. Be, I mean, here's the thing, man. I, I understand that folks get antsy, and I think in, like, regular business and stuff, time. I heard this phrase today by somebody I know that's a, a really smart person. who said, time kills deals. And I can understand that, but the NFL calendar is just a little different. And, I mean, just look at Philly last year. Shane Steichen and John Gannon got jobs after the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl. Right. Like. I mean, the enemy got a job after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl when he came to Washington. Um, I think whether the Lions win or lose, whether the Ravens win or lose, they can conduct those interviews next week, and they will, and they can kind of get an agreement in place. Whether that gets reported or not, we'll find out. But I just think how how fast and, and expedited the process was with Peter's Hiring the front office person is just different than hiring yeah. the coach. And I, the only thing I'd add, you're not – of course you want it done as soon as possible so they can be watching tape of these college prospects, right? Like, right. I, I get that. But this isn't college football. Nobody's going to enter the portal. <laughs> um, n- nobody's demanding new NIL changes. Like, right. this is the off season for 28 of 32 teams. There's not a lot – uh, that, that could be done that they're missing out on.
2: And I hear that, right? And I, I think I agree with you. The NFL calendar is just a little bit different, so you got to trust the process, so to speak. When when you look at the candidates that have been rumored, and, and John Kime was pretty adamant today about Raheem Morris, Ben Johnson, and Dan Quinn, I'll ask you the question I asked the listeners out there. Any of those three guys listed, is there one that would make you go... I don't know, Adam Peters, I don't know, Josh Harris, or are you like me where you're just willing to trust whatever the hell they do to this point?
6: Yeah. I mean, those three names and then Mike McDonald are the names I've really heard. And I think, I think McDonald has an opportunity this weekend to put a real statement on his resume. Right. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, No, I, I think honestly, I might even list them out how you said it. Like I, if if I was if it was me and I'd probably still, I'd probably have Ben Johnson one, then Raheem, then Quinn, um, McDonald. I think I think if we're including McDonald in the mm-hmm. conversation, he might be one man. Yeah, I, he's my one right now. <laughs> what they're doing is pretty incredible, and you don't want to be too reactionary. One thing that is so dumb is mm-hmm. I tweeted something out about McDonald possibly being the best coaching candidate out there. Hey, we're not just for DC, but just across the league. Right. And people are like, Oh, they've got so much talent in Baltimore. We're like, no, they, don't. Yeah, they I, really don't. yeah. Going, going into the season, the projections weren't for Baltimore to be this good. Right. Like at some point development and scheme matters a ton. And I think McDonald's doing that. Obviously, you know, the linebackers are really good. Kyle Hamilton's a star. They, they Marlon Humphrey can play. Right. He, he didn't even play in the last week, but whatever, that's just a silly Twitter thing. Um, I think it's going to be Johnson. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a guarantee. I think David Tepper could throw an outrageous amount of money at him, and and I think the Harris Group is disciplined enough not to get into some sort of like bidding war. You know what I mean? Just right. something that just gets stupid. Um, I, I think it's Johnson, and then I think the defensive coordinator hire is going to be really important. Yes. And, and I think I think an advantage for the Commanders. This group, frankly, is that the ownership has deep pockets and they can probably pay up for a veteran coordinator that, that will help a young guy run a team. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting to watch. But I am not – like, dude, I, I get it. If people want to flip out about Dan Quinn, like, I get it. <laughs> but I, I know people in Dallas that swear by him. I know coaches in the league that talk about his leadership skills. Right. Um, you know, those Falcons teams were pretty good when he was running the show.
2: And dude, JP, you brought, you brought up the point about the, the lack of talent that Mike McDonald's got in uh, in Baltimore. Dallas isn't littered with talent defensively, right? They have Micah Parsons, you got DeMarcus Lawrence, but a lot of those guys are homegrown. Like, who the hell was Deron Bland? Who, who was, you know, J-Ron Kurse? Who was, you know, Damone Clark? The scheme and the system that he's running there in Dallas is for sure impressive. They just don't have the personnel to meet. Um.
3: Yeah,
6: I mean, especially you lose Trayvon Diggs, and then they're still right. that good. Um, Malik Hooker, I thought I gave them some really good snaps. Yeah. Um, and that, Malik Hooker was a first round pick like a hundred years ago before he blew out his knee like eight times. Malik Hooker, I mean, you were probably in middle school, Lanelle. I but remember <laughs> when when he was at Ohio State. I thought he was the best player in the country. Now I'm going back a number of years, but um, I think that I, I think. One problem that we all have, and this is one of the reasons perhaps I'm so excited about Peters, yeah. is because I think a lot of a lot of what he can do is what you really need to develop a roster, which is hit hit your Saturday picks, hit yeah. your Friday night picks. We all tend to focus on the first rounders and like what the big names do, but if you look at like like you're not that you are but like mm-hmm. being dismissive of the Cowboys talent because they're not necessarily like brand names. Right. If you draft and develop a third rounder and they're really good three years later, that's a credit to you. And yeah. they are bad, big names. I mean, think about San Fran, particularly, you know, you can point to Bosa shore and I a first, but Warner I think is a third Kittle's a fifth Yeah. From Brock Purdy's damn mystery relevant. Like yeah. I, I think, I have said this for some time and maybe I'm wrong. I I think the Peters hire at this stage of what people got to remind themselves is a massive rebuild. They went four and 13 worst point differential in the league. And they didn't have any pro bowlers. This is a massive rebuild coming at this stage of a massive rebuild. I think the, the talent guy is more important than the coach. And that's why if you think Ben Johnson is your dude, and he'll have to learn kind of the, the CEO side of it and, and maybe yeah. parts of the get in grown men's face and challenge them parts of it. I, I, I think it's far too much of an assumption just to, to assume he can't do that.
2: Well, right, and I, maybe I, I agree with you on that, yes.
6: There's it, got to be some level of learning, like anything. Um, I, you do it now because you probably have two years yeah. and before you're really competing. I mean, if you look at what they did in San Fran, they won ten games the first two years. Yeah,
2: it was rough. To and speak. like, they, they were bad. That's interesting. The Ben Johnson thing is fascinating because I agree with you. I heard you say something on the air either this week or last week about you don't really know what he could do until you see him do it. And then I also heard you say this, which I totally agree with: the alphas that he has on that staff. JP, I know Deuce Daly. I don't know if Deuce Daly's still there, but he was there at one point in time. Aaron Glenn is a major alpha. Left. Uh, Dan Campbell is a mega alpha. He hasn't been asked to do that, but the one thing that you continue to hear about him is the football acumen. And that's another way to to motivate guys and to to get guys to buy in if they know that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to the preparation standpoint. Sure. I mean,
6: there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, man. Like, there's... When you talk about leadership and motivation, Dan Campbell is clearly going kind of the Neanderthal route, right? (laughs) Right. But I I actually think he's a super intelligent fella kind of playing a a cartoon character (laughs) to the media mostly. But, I mean, Bill Walsh, by all accounts, was as gentle and kind and and low-key as anyone in football. And is probably architect of, like, the first really transcendent offense. I mean, think, his offense is still one of the dominant principles in the NFL. And, and Bill Walsh invented the West Coast offense at Stanford in, like, the 70s or whatever. Um, I mean, you think more recent was a, not low-key, but he didn't curse. He wasn't, like, an in-your-face guy. I right. mean, even look around the league now. And they haven't had playoff success, but Mike McDaniel's pretty low-key. I mean, Kyle and Sean are are pretty. (laughs) Fired up guys, yeah. Yeah, they're fired up guys. But D'Amico, I mean, you watch the Texans. Mm -hmm. D'Amico Ryan doesn't seem like a screamer, right? Like he seems like maybe a rah-rah type, but not an in-your-face. Well, talk to Um, you like a man. How do you describe Andy Reid? Well, <laughs> like, that's a happy-go-lucky fellow. Well, but well, look, J.P., him,
2: that, that provides a, an interesting segue. The one thing you keep hearing I'm out just of Kansas saying, City. i there's, a, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways this can go and work. And I agree with what you're saying, and I think it's about striking that balance within your overall staff, right? The head coach doesn't have to be the rah-rah guy. It's about who you put around you on the staff, which is why I think Eric was so instrumental there in Kansas City with Andy Reid, who's kind of like a player's coach Eric was the one that was going to put his foot up your ass if you didn't run your right your route to the right depth and things like that. So I do think that balance is so important. I want to get back to Eric Bienemy here for a second. He obviously was interviewed last week, JP, and it didn't come out until yesterday uh, when I was on overtime on, on Sunday. What do you make of that? And, and can you dispel the rumor to the folks out there listening and on Twitter that that wasn't just some sham interview interviewing him does not fulfill their Rooney rule qualifications.
6: No, the Rooney rule requires that two can at least two candidates, at least two minority candidates, for ex, at least two external minority candidates have to be interviewed. So interviewing EB wasn't about that. I, I think a couple things, I think this year went sideways on EB for a series of reasons, not all of which were his fault. I think he's, I mean, I don't know that people realize this. These dudes are still in the building every day. Working. Like they're, still, they're still like, they're probably at this point, still putting together their like season conclusion evaluation tapes. Like they have to submit reports on all their players, like the position coaches, right. they watch back every game, like, there, there, there's still just work that goes on and knowing Eric, I bet he's still in at 6am and leaving at 7pm. That's just like how that dude is. Right. Um, so he's in the building. Peters is in the building. Harris is lots of places, but like parts of the new ownership group are there. It'd be ridiculous to not interview the enemy, frankly. And maybe he can shed some light on things that went right this season. Maybe he can shed some light on things that went poorly this season. There are veterans um, with years left on contracts that he could probably provide some information to Adam Peters that could be valuable as far as what he liked, what he didn't like, who could help him, all those sorts of things. I, I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of like business I would put on the commander's to-do list right now, especially until you hire the new coach. Right. But I don't think it's crazy to think about a Sam Cosby uh, – extension. Huh. I mean, he's going into the last year of his deal. Now it's kind of the time you can get that stuff done. Um, I mean, don't like on what planet is it not valuable to hear from EB on Cosby and right. hear his you know, Cosby was pretty clear locker clean out, They didn't run the ball enough. And I think the enemy kind of realized that in the second half of the season, um, you know, like you probably want to hear EB's take on that. Like right. it to, Do I think he's getting the job? No, but people are so overly critical and dismissive of like just normal function. Like if somebody bought buys a company and part of buying that company is the current CEO is out, but you don't think the new owner of the company is going to talk to the CFO and the, and you know, the, the president, like all these other things. Like, yeah, so to think they're not going to talk to the enemy it was silly. Um, whether it is kind of just uh, optics or not, they were always going to do it, and I believe it was not just optics.
2: I have to agree with you on that, man. I think something that you hit on that the casual fan probably doesn't think of the evaluations of the guys that are still in house, specifically at quarterback. And I was kind of trying to you know wait to get to this till we get closer uh, to the draft and the head coach is hired. There's still an evaluation that's got to be done of Sam Howell. And, JP, the one thing I always preface to fans, although it's probably unlikely that they don't select a quarterback second overall, this evaluation of Sam Howell can go a bunch of different ways, and we don't know ultimately how the next head coach and Adam Peters are going to view what happened to him last year. If you could put a percentage on it, what percent chance – I know we're early, JP. What percent chance do you give Sam Howell getting the opportunity to compete for the job next year? Um, that's a good question. Because, JP, I feel like that was the big Achilles heel of Ron's tenure here. I don't give a damn if they draft Jaden Daniels second overall. He's got to beat out Sam Howell, in my opinion. We can't just keep handing jobs to guys.
6: Yeah, I've heard you talk about that before. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I I don't know that answer, man, honestly. Um, because if you want... I don't expect this, but I, I also wouldn't be stunned by it. If you want a true total reset and Sam can get you something, maybe you right. want to move on and you just want to pair whoever you draft at number two with a, a veteran and have whatever level of, of fake or real competition that would come <laughs> from that. Or, or maybe a guy like Daniels needs to bulk up and watch for a year, or, or maybe Drake may isn't ready. I don't know. Um, Sam is a really good dude, really hard worker, really well-liked in the locker room. I think showed some flashes of good, showed some flashes of bad, and a whole lot in between. I don't think the scheme was very friendly to him, Um, especially the first half of the year. Like, if they could have reversed – like, if the play calling schematics were reversed where they tried to run it, and they tried to move the pocket early on, and then eventually it led to trying to have this pocket passer on five-step drops. Like I, I wonder, I wonder if you reversed hmm. things, how it it's would have point. gone to kind of allow Howell to develop. But yeah, it does, you know, ifs and nuts, right? Like yeah. I hear you. Ifs and buts, whatever that phrase is. <laughs> um, it's definitely not ifs and nuts, <laughs> but. Um, oh man. I don't
2: know, man. I just. And I'm not trying to stir the pot with that. I'm just being realistic because the one thing that we, we do a lot as fans, and I'm guilty of it as well, is just assume things. We don't know what Adam Peters and company think of Sam Howe. We don't know what they thought of the offensive situation last year. So that's the one thing I've been I do, saying. Go ahead. For the folks that. Because I, I tweeted about what stands out to me most with
6: Ben Johnson is the work with Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to discount Goff's role in the process because he plays the biggest role, but like Sean McVay wanted this, wanted Goff gone and Johnson has made it work at a high level. And that really excites me for them drafting a quarterback. The one thing I do think people need to chill out with is, well, maybe Ben Johnson could come in here and fix how, and then they can use the, the second overall pick on a tackle or Marvin Harrison, and I I think I think people need to be realistic that that's going to be a quarterback.
2: Yeah, and I and I hear you on that, but I I understand the other side of it because we just don't know yet what these outsiders are going to think about uh, what Sam Howell has. Uh, you mentioned
6: uh, I think but uh, I think I think to be confident is going to be well, a
2: quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that. I probably agree with that as well. Uh, We know the draft is coming up, but you just talked about quarterback. Another veteran that hadn't been talked about a lot uh, is Jonathan Allen. He was actually front and center at the Wizards game uh, on Saturday, I believe. And his situation is interesting. There was an insider piece that ESPN Plus did, and the, the prompt to the question was, what veteran do you see being traded before free agency like Jalen Ramsey was last year? And Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler both listed Jonathan Allen. What do you think happens with Big John moving forward? And how would you assess his year?
3: Uh, I think he was hurt most of the year.
6: I think he tried to play through a whole lot of stuff. Um, I think John is a kind of super emotional dude that reacts in the moment. And I don't mean that. Like, I think – I think – I think John is a pretty like aggressive dude that can be grumpy and be direct and it comes across as grumpy I think John actually likes being in d c like this is home right. his wife's from here their family's here. I don't actually think he wants to go anywhere but i I, I do also get how his comments um can look like he wants out yeah i I think if I had to guess, and I, I I very firmly believe that like Peters has probably reached out to John or maybe his agent, probably John directly, um, and I I don't know, like you know, I, who knows? Yeah. Especially, I mean, this crew's looking to build, but I mean. Probably could trade traded John at the trade deadline last year when you trade everybody else. I thought so I, I don't. Yeah. I also think people think NFL trades are so easy to get done, like they don't happen that often. So right. I, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect it. Uh, and it's crazy to think that eighteen mil is is, is maybe below market value, but I I kind of think they're getting John at a premium position at a like. Under premium price tag, but. and
2: I hear that. But coming off the year he just had, what leverage does he have to go ask for more money? Maybe he won't. It seems like I would, and I agree with you on that. It seems like that would be the case from his from his vantage point, right? Like he's underpaid technically right now, and I think when he initially signed that deal, if, he had this on his mind.
6: If anything, maybe you ask to convert some stuff to guarantees, but I don't yeah. think he would ask for like a raise. But I I don't know that – I think that was a situation of the end of the se- – the end of the football season, like even for the reporters, man, like for everybody involved, the end of the season is such a grind yeah. that you just want it over with. And then the end of this past season was so bad that you just want it over with that much faster. And I think that's where John's mind was at, but I don't know that that speaks for his mind. Like I, I think there's a – I always say this. I think you can make emotional reactions, and then you can stop and take a minute and, and like, figure out what is best. And generally, those two <laughs> things are different. And, and I would expect that John, take a week, take two weeks, probably takes a little vacation, get somewhere warm, clear your head. The comments about, like, yeah, I don't know if I got to rebuild, any all that stuff, I imagine it kind of chills out, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe he wants yeah. to go somewhere where he's got a chance to win.
2: We'll see, JP. The next couple of months will be fascinating for this franchise. We'll keep you up to speed with JP Finley on everything. Appreciate you, my man. All right, dude. Take care. That is JP Finley. Make sure you catch him tomorrow, 10 to 2 with Prime Mitchell here on 1067. The fan. We'll take a quick timeout. Top of the nine o'clock hour. As promised, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA insider, set to join us in the studio for a little bit of a trade deadline primer. When we get back, though, Sham Sarnia of The Athletic, of FanDuel TV. He's a bunch of different outlets. NBA insider Sham Sarnia had some very interesting comments on what the Wizards will be looking to do at the NBA's trade deadline. We'll let you hear from Shams next here on The Fan. Big shout out to our pal JP Finley for joining in the last segment. If you missed any of my conversation with JP, use the always free Odyssey app, use the Odyssey Rewind feature, and go back to the 8:30 segment to get the latest on the Washington Commanders' coaching search. Planning to get to the final hour of power overtime coming up next. Here we'll switch gears here a little bit. Go all things NBA. A little NBA trade deadline primer coming up for you. We got our pal Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA insider. With us right now in studio, Scooby, you know how black people get with the with the Happy New Year joint is is January twenty second, but Happy New Year, my brother. Happiest Happy New I <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you giving us some time, my man. Of course. So we got you plugged up with headphones. I brought you in the segment early because I want to get your thoughts on this. You being an NBA insider, want to let you hear some audio from another NBA insider. It's Sham Sarnia of The Athletic with the latest on the Washington Wizards and what they could potentially be looking to do at the trade deadline. I hate to do this to you. Is anyone on this team untouchable?
5: The reality is there's one player that is off the table for the Wizards, and that's their <laughs> top pick in last year's draft, Bilal Koulibaly. That's okay. the reality of it. That's the one player that is not on the table, but Kyle Kuzma, Tyus Jones, they're going to get calls for both of them at this trade deadline.
7: Tyus Jones, I think, would be a great addition somewhere. For like
5: any it. team. I mean, any yeah. team that needs a point guard. Scoot, when you hear that,
2: what is your reaction? Because I think initially when I heard it, I'm like, I think the headline probably grabs people more than the actual information. Of course, nobody is untouchable on the Washington Wizards. We're seven and what, 33? We suck.
7: Did, did you actually say that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, yeah. Um, the, the, from what I know, mm-hmm. um, the Bilal part, I know that the, the Wizards are very high on uh, Balau Kulabali uh rookie uh and and you know exponentially has, has just grown and raised his value. Um but the Kuzma part of it yeah. um that that's that's splashy to most. Um, you know, I, I've had co- in contact with uh folks within the Mavs organization who have salivated uh, over yeah. uh the potential of uh Kyle Kuzma. Uh you know, th- they as an organization, I'm told, uh, believe that he is a, a, a solid three and D. Um, he is a, a piece that is missing yeah. um, on that team alongside, alongside, excuse me, uh, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. And you know, it's all a matter of you know fit. Um, multiple reports have, have have surfaced that you know the Wizards won't um, discuss anything if it doesn't involve two first rounders. Um, Kyle Kuzma definitely is someone who would fit like a glove. Has a relationship with yeah. Jason Kidd, uh, being part of that Los Angeles Lakers team um, that won a championship in the bubble in 2020. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, and, and you know, and there's other pieces. Jared Dudley, uh, who's mm-hmm. now an assistant coach on that team, uh, who you know was a player when when Kyle Kuzma was there, was yeah. his vet. Um, yeah, but but I think for Dallas, it solves a problem. The other thing about the Mavs, you mm-hmm. know, from folks that I've spoken with on that side, uh, they think he's much more of a better defender than he's given credit for. Um, and and that you know he could do, do some things. He'd be a third option and more. But you know these are conversations that I was having as far back as October. Um, and what what was, was was essentially going on is Dallas didn't have the the room to to make a move in the summertime. You know you had to resign right. Kyrie Irving, and but Indiana was a team that was very high on Kuzma going into free agency, and ultimately he he resigned with the with the Wizards. It's interesting. We know Wizards Twitter at least scoop you know is a cesspool, but everyone <laughs>
2: wants to. Get rid of Kyle Kuzma. And I've always been of this belief, right? And I know people are going to say, huh? You got to keep some talent on your roster, right? This is a seven-win team right now. Obviously, if you get a deal that knocks your socks off for Kuz, you can't hesitate on pulling the trigger. But from an emotional fan's perspective, Scoop, I love what Kyle's done in the community, wasting no time ingratiating himself. He, he's become a part of D.C. to this point. And I kind of... Get emotional, not facetiously. I'm obviously being facetious when I say that, but like to see him potentially be on the way out, it's tough because we've watched him grow over the past three years. Anyone out there that doesn't understand what Kyle Kuzma is and you get distracted by the fancy clothes and him dying his hair he's a bucket, and he's a gym rat that has continued to grow his game uh, while here in D.C., and he's now even taking on a leadership role. So if they do decide to move on from him, the team that gets him, it's getting
7: a winner. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with Kyle Diddy back to his Laker days, yeah. um, and the thing that he's done at every stop so far in his NBA career is is really envelop himself into the community. Yeah. Uh, he and his mother uh, Carrie, who you know is head of his foundation, he did some stuff over the Christmas holiday, uh, in, I believe it was Southwest mm-hmm. uh, DC, uh, and partnered with Good. Uh, and but but does a lot of good things in the community. He's done a lot of good things in Flint. Everywhere he goes, he 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 leaves it better than he left it. And I don't want to eulogize him because he's still a member of the Washington right, Wizards. But right. there is interest out there, uh, and the, and as things grow, there'll be more interest. You, you, you talk about Tyus Jones. Um, there are teams out there like the New York Knicks uh, who are looking Ooh. for uh, uh, his services, teams like the Miami Heat uh, who are looking as well. So even the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, so, you know, there, there are a lot of teams that will be calling. Um, I think the the Jordan Poole aspect from folks that I've spoken with mm-hmm. on the Washington side of things, it seems like uh, the Jordan Poole aspect of it is, you know, he does well for eyes. He does well for engagement. He does well for viewership, but um, whether they're going to build around him, you know, going into the season, the philosophy was that you, you know, they weren't necessarily going to be that good, but uh, the focus was, you know, bringing eyes to the team with guys who get eyes like Kyle Kuzma and mm-hmm. Jordan pool. But ultimately um, I'm not, I'm still not, and I've said this on every visit on your show. I'm not mm-hmm. sure the direction that the Washington wizards are going mm. because it, if it, it for me, yeah. it feels like they remind me a lot of Orlando Magic where, you know, a lot of players come through, they don't stay, they're traded or they ask out or they leave. Like so what is their goal? Um so I'm interested to see what that is long term, just earnestly, not even trying to poke fun, not even yeah. trying to to, <clears throat> to uh to shade. Um, you know, but it just seems like they're providing players who go on to go elsewhere and, and do what they do. So, you know, if you're gonna trade Kuzma, how do you build a long term? The other factor of mm-hmm. is, is is Daniel Gafford. Um, the Knicks have had interest in Gafford for some time. Um, and there are some other teams out there, but the Knicks is a name that I hear quite a bit. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come
2: back. Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA insider in the studio with us. We're doing a little bit of an NBA trade deadline primer. We gave you the latest on a couple of members of the Washington Wizards. When we get back, Scoop, I'll ask you to kind of project what type of capital the Wizards could get back. Uh, for a guy like a Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford, and Tyus Jones.
5: All that and more next here on The fam. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.